This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Uh, let's, let's begin this morning in this traditional way of uh, recalling a story from our ancestors. Uh, this, this little story is from story of uh, Dongshan Langji, who is the founder of the Zaodong School, which later became the Soto School. So when, when Dongshan was uh, a young monk, he was practicing with uh, Nanjuan, and Nanjuan was having a memorial ceremony, a memorial uh, feast for his teacher, Matsu. And he prepared the food and offered the food. And then he turned to his assembly and he said, we have prepared this food. We have prepared this offering for our ancestor. Do you think he will come? Do you think he will receive it? And no one in the assembly uh, responded to his his question. And finally, uh, Deng Shan, this young monk came forward and said, he will come, Matsu, this ancestor will come, he will come forward if he has a companion. That's it. That's the story. In this, uh, in this time of COVID, in this extraordinary time where we have all this, this these disparate elements in our culture and our society. And we have the constraints of this COVID. We're, uh, we're experiencing uh, what you might call a kind of social contraction. And I can say for myself, and I think others can confirm this, there's a, there's a definite sense of, of loss a definite sense of uh, a, a profound poignancy that we cannot be with others as we have been before. It's, it's just where we're at and we're all doing well with it, um, with these various um, devices as Zoom and uh, masks and so on. And uh, we all have integrity with this process. And yet behind it, I think we all feel a sense that uh, we're missing something. We're missing a, uh, uh, what we what we've known as a sense of sangha. I remember uh, before COVID, when Sunday programs were here, and they were uh, the zendo was full of thirty people, and there was a sense of gathering together with this common practice and there were no mass and we could actually we could actually read people's expressions and emotions and moods um it's much more difficult now of course with all this masking and uh and afterwards we would have a, a a large social lunch and have lots of conversation. 
I think we can all uh, experience this to some degree. So today, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about something that I feel like we, we already know, that we already are well aware of. And, and we're all, uh, in a sense, um, carrying on as best we can. Um, I'd like to talk about Sangha itself, about what Sangha is and how we can be Sangha together um, in this time. So what is Sangha? The term Sangha means to gather together, to basically to gather as, as one thing. In the, in the early teachings, uh, it was called uh, the Sasana. And the Sasana basically meant uh, the, the order or the, the way that um, the way that the community uh, figured out how to be together and the various um, ways that they, they arranged that. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of independent practitioners. Uh, it was hermeneutical, it was, uh, there were forest monks and later it became, um, it's called synabetical. It's It came together as a community. Um, and of course, as, as most of you know, it started out as a monastic tradition where, um, where the, the various practitioners separated themselves from, uh, uh, from lay life. And, um, and they became, they decided to do this to focus very uh, clearly on the, on, on the practice itself. And now at this time, the sense of monastic practice and lay practice of sort of coming together and we're, it's a much broader uh, situation. So the question is, how can we be Sangha now? And this is a, uh, a topic that we can talk about um, quite a bit. And as we approach this, this situation, um, we can ask uh, where, where we are in our relationship with, uh, with one another and with a sense of, uh, sense of practice community. Dogen, in Dogen's teachings, there's a uh, fascicle called Yuibutsu Yobutsu. And Yuibutsu Yobutsu means only, only a Buddha with a Buddha, or only a Buddha and a Buddha together uh, can, can negotiate the way, can eat the Dharma, can chew up the Dharma. It basically means, Yuibutsu Yobutsu means um, it takes one to know one. Only a Buddha can meet a Buddha. Only a Buddha can practice with a Buddha. In effect, what Dogen is saying that we, we practice with Buddha as Buddha. We come to meet Buddha as Buddha. We are, we are Sangha. Now, co commonly we think of Sangha as a collective of many people, but I'd like us to also um, invite ourselves to consider that we ourselves individually are Sangha. We are, we are the community. We are this group, this collection, not just the, 
not just all the individual and individual cells in our body and parts of our body, but uh, but we do embody community in and of ourselves. It said that each thing abides in its dharma position. And we abide in the dharma position of sangha, of being the place of a sangha. <clears throat> There's an interesting little um, traditional poem that expresses this very well. It goes this way. It says, the blue mountain is a friend or a companion to the white cloud. And the white cloud is such a good friend to the blue mountain. All day long, they depend on one another. And all day long, they are independent of each other. In this way, the blue mountain is always the blue mountain. And in this way, the white cloud is always the white cloud. Dong Shan said, his ancestor will come forth and receive this, this food, this offering, this memorial offering, if there's someone to, to receive it. So we can consider each of ourselves as a conveyor, as a transmitter of the Dharma, and simultaneously as a receiver of the Dharma. In, uh, in the entryway to our, our, our uh, Zendo, there's a calligraphy by the brother of Koban Chino Roshi, uh, Kaban Otagawa Roshi. And uh, <clears throat> in Japanese, it's Mei Getsu Sei. Futomo ni ika. I hope I pronounced that right. And it translates as brilliant moon, pure wind, together, one family. Just as the, in the evening, just as the as the breeze of the evening and the light from the moon uh, kind of merge into one experience um, and become the one family of that evening. That's our, our kind of teaching, our gate into the, into the uh, Zendo is we become one family. We become a gathering, a gathering of together. I recently learned a, a new term. Uh, it's called uh, intersectionality. Intersectionality. And it should be understood as uh, not, not as a concept, but as an adaption or a confirmation of 
the conditions, the situation, uh, the or the environment. So the intersectionality of, of our separateness and our, our unavoidable interconnection together. They converge and they're mutual. Nature seeks novelty all the time. It's how things evolve by, by, by being co-tangent, by being together, by being involved. And we do too. And we, in this time of um, uh, awkward separateness, um, I think it's important that we remember, we remember this. When we sit down in our practice, uh, we take this, this mudra. It's called a ho kai jo in. Uh, ho is dharma, kai is uh, realm or sphere. And jo means samadhi. Samadhi means um, one pointedness or, or meditative absorption. And in, in means to means to seal or to confirm or to acknowledge. Um, so Hokai Join means that we confirm, we confirm with our samadhi, with our one pointedness, with our subtleness in meditation, all, all, all dharmas, all things, all phenomena, all events, all people, so in effect, what we're, what we're doing when we, when we put our thumbs together like this, we're saying, um, everyone is here with me, with my meditation, with my little apparent private or separate meditation. Most of the time, I have to confess when I, when I, put my thumbs together like this in meditation. I, it's such a routine, it's such a habit that I don't, I don't think about this often, but every once in a while, every once in a while, I, I uh, remember and I connect with, with, oh, I'm putting my thumbs together, putting one palm on top of another, it means, Symbolically, it means Buddha nature and human nature meet and form this circle, form this unity. And all the fingers and everything include, includes all the, all the gatis, the six realms, the, the, uh, the psychological realms of the hungry ghosts and the hell realms and the divas and the human realm. Uh, and the bodhisattvas and the, even the Pratika Buddhas, these independent Buddhas, all of them come together with this mudra. Um, so every once in a while, uh, most of the time I just take the mudra, but every once in a while I remember that I'm, I'm with everyone as I take this mudra or everyone is with me, or there's no separation between my practice and another's practice. Uh, that's a very good feeling for me and it helps, it helps me to practice. It said too that when the, when the Buddha began his, his evening, his seminal evening of meditation when he, uh, under the Bodhi tree, he separated himself from his, his other 
um, companions that he practiced with. And he, he went off um, alone and practiced separately. So it said that, it said that when he began his practice, he was alone. And when he stood up, when he woke up from his practice, when he, when he awakened, he was with everyone. Everyone was with him. There was no separation between himself and another person. And he said, One, this is wonderful, wonderful. I have awakened, uh, not alone, I've awakened with all beings. Everything is here with me. So, Sangha, Sangha, how do we, how do we be Sangha now at this time? I think we're doing really well in, with the equipment at hand and the people that have made it so um, with this Zoom. Uh, I think it's working very well. And, uh, And yet I, I'd like to give some people some hugs and I'd like to see them face to face and be with them, you know, really be with them as it was before. So I think we can all acknowledge the tinge of lonesomeness of missing that. So how do we, how do we be Sangha together? Well, uh, I'm open for suggestions, <laughs> uh, but I, I'd like to offer, I'd like to offer uh, uh, maybe beginning uh, way in to this, this topic. Um, Actually, I'd like to begin with uh, maybe with remembering our, our practice together because our practice itself, taking the form of this practice, this old tradition of sitting down and being still and being quiet and taking this mudra together, remembering, to, remembering our breath, remembering our body and mind in, in, in its presence, in its real presence in and of itself is um, a way to sustain and be Sangha, even though we're practicing alone. A uh, teacher of my, a former teacher of myself and, uh, and of Doug as well, um, Katagiri Roshi um, said, said this, he said, there's, there's you and then there is the world. If there is even a small gap between them, we will fill it with thought. As long as we create this gap, we never understand the world and the world never understands us. In actuality, of course, there is no gap between you and the world. To become non-separate with phenomena is the true openness of the heart. For this, we do Zazen. For this, we do Zazen, for the true openness of the heart.
So in our practice and in our daily life, how do we be Sangha? Not be part of Sangha, but in and of ourselves, be Sangha. I, I'd like to, I'd like to say first we, uh, first we take care of ourselves. We really take care of ourselves. When it's time to rest, we rest. When it's time to practice, we practice. When it's time to eat, we eat. If we can be mindful and if we can be appreciative, that's wonderful. But fundamentally, we take care of ourselves. We self-bless ourselves. And from that basis, we, we you could say we bless or we, we connect with all beings and all things. I have a, a poem um, from one of my favorite poets I'd, I'd like to share about, about this. It's, uh, it's kind of a strange poem. It, it's called uh, St. Francis and the Sow. Um, it's actually a rather well-known poem. And he, it's kind of funny in the sense he kind of describes the, the sow, the pig, um, pretty graphically. <laughs> um, and he talks about this, this, what he calls self-blessing. So here's the poem by Galloway Cannell. The bud stands for all things even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to, re to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its bough of the flower and retell it in words and touch, it is lovely until the flower again from within of self-blessing, as St. Francis put his hands on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch blessings of the earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and the slops to the spiritual curl of the tail, from the hard spininess spiked out from the spine, down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milken dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the 14 tits into the 14 mouths sucking and blowing beneath them, the long perfect loveliness of Sal. <laughs> of self blessing. self-blessing. So in this time of imposed separateness, um, being Sangha, being Sangha together, let, let us remember to be, to bless ourselves. I, I bless you, Mike. <laughs> And from this self-blessing, we can bless one another. It's not a usual term in, uh, in Buddhism, blessing, but I think it's apropos. From this self-blessing, let us bless one another as far as we can extend our open hearts out to one another 
Remember, we are Sangha and we are with Sangha, even though we cannot touch them now. Let's remember our intersectionality. I love that term, intersectionality. It's convergence, like, you know, black and white converge, good and bad converge. All aspects converge. Let us remember our this intersectionality, this convergence of life, which we are a, we are this unique point of. And let's extend our hearts um, outward while we're in place. Thank you. Well, I think I think we have we have some time. Does anyone have a a sangha thought? Nico, can you coordinate this? Yeah. And anyone here? Yeah, John. Uh, in the first uh, story that you told, the, um, the answer contained the word companion. Companionship. Mm. And mm. I think that's a, a key way that we can be Sangha, uh, regardless of the restrictions. We can, we can offer our companionship. Uh, just yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, actually, um, some of us went to Santa Cruz to the, to a place called the Medicine Wheel Buddha. Center, mm. beautiful place in the redwoods, with paths and uh, small kiosks uh, with teachings on them. And um, some of the best part of it was sharing that as companions. Mm. One of the best parts of it was just a small pavilion for outdoor gatherings where talks might be given or just gatherings of whatever kind. Mm -hmm. It was very plain, mm -hmm. undecorated. But that, was, that time there was very, very special mm -hmm. because we were there as companions. Mm -hmm. Together. Together, yeah, yeah. yes. As much as you could be. Yes, yeah. just, just sharing that. Good, thank you. the talk was very lovely um but, but we we oh, oh am i coming through okay or something going on now you are it's good okay it's yeah we do the best we can but there's a to me i mean it is not the same on zendo on, on uh, zoom um as it is in person it's just it's a i mean it's what we have we always have to remember, I have to remember, it's a poor substitute. And, and it's kind of scary that we're going to get used to it. You know, that, that we'll settle for this, that we won't, we won't push it further. That's, that's just a fear, but, you know, we do what we can, you know. Uh, I always feel a part of the Sangha, even though, you know, I'm sitting in my room by myself. But uh, I really count on these weekly Sunday talks. 
you know, these are extremely important now more than, you know, cause I could always just drive down, but now I can't do that. You know, this is it. If I don't do this, I don't get it. And, uh, it, it's really reinforced to me how important the Sangha is mm. it for granted before, you know, you just took it for granted. I took it for granted. Um, that was just, just my thoughts on it. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. I wonder after, after COVID, I assume there's, there'll be an after COVID time. Um, it'll be, well, I think we'll, it'll be uh, an adjustment for us to come back and practice together, almost like uh, like learning how to ride a bicycle again. And, but they say, you never forget how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> but still, it'll feel like, oh, this is a new experience. Yeah. Carolyn? Um, yes, thank you so much, Michael, for this uh, bringing in these stories and poems. And um, and what really um, came up to say for me was in relation to the quote you had from Katagiri, no gap between you and the world, and this closeness. Um, with the poignancy. This morning, I was at the farmer's market, and I was struck how, how there's a kind of gift to the poignancy that, that we feel, and that, as you said, many of us feel. The heart is somehow a little softer. So walking through the market and seeing all the people with their masks on and of all ages and sizes and being so earnest and beautiful trying to um trying to adjust to this new situation mm. uh let me i i also felt that there's at the same time there's no separation between the poignancy and uh, the beauty of being alive and being human and mm. carrying that with us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you, Mike, for the talk. Um, I had a question on, um, on what you said. Uh, regarding our mudra when we sit as we uh, as we sit uh, in zazen and we join our thumbs and our hands we sit with uh, the whole the whole world together uh, taking into account all beings um, and sitting with all of them together um, so i wanted to clarify that uh, what does what does that mean and uh, what is this thing that you're talking about? Is that an intention? Is that something we keep in our minds? Is that something we think about? Um, or is that just the meaning of what we are doing? And what is the value of that? Uh, what is the value of saying that we are sitting with the whole world and with all beings? Why not, uh, not, not think about that at all? Um, so if you could please uh, clarify that. <laughs> well, you're welcome not to think about it at all. <laughs> and as they say um, in practice, you know, think, thinking or conceptualizing about things too much often creates a problem, a kind of busy or discursive mind. Um, you could say that that having the view of the mudra is just conceptual imputation. We're, we're just imputing upon a, a natural expression, a natural gesture um, by bring, bringing to it um, these concepts of being with everything. Uh, 
So if you if you can avoid thinking about it, please please do. <laughs> um, however, for for my personally for myself, uh, I feel John and I were talking about this the other day. I feel bringing your uh, bringing your mudra next to your uh, right right with your belly, it's called a hara or a tantian or chi. Um, it's kind of, this is like the, the center of your, your physical center of your body and you're, you're bringing your mudra into, into the center of yourself. So you're centering yourself with this mudra. Physically, I mean, physically you're doing this. Um, but conceptually or, uh, or mentally, uh, this mudra is a, good, is a good place to bring your mind. The teacher of Dogen, uh, Dogen Zenji, uh, Ru Jing, instructed Dogen to put his mind in, in his mudra. Put your mind in your mudra instead of your mind being up here with all, all the sensory information, you kind of drop, you drop your sense of, or you, or you center your sense of self into your mudra. And I've heard it said that women more naturally do this because they're, they're more in touch, they're more somatically in touch than, than men are and uh, and the, uh, the womb is here the, so there's a sense of there's a net more of a natural sense um, but with all of us there's a sense of this is this is the core this is the place so uh, as far as all persons, everyone being with us. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it can be complicated or even conflicting to your meditation. If you take that upon yourself as a, as a, as an, as a task, um, but I, I invite you to just feel it when you put your hands together in your center to feel like your your like you are a center. You are a center. You are you are a biologically located consciousness, right? Isn't that true? And so you are a center, and there's all these other centers as well. Each one is a center. So it's like a center meets a center. Um, and this mudra confirms that. Um, I don't know, did I, did I say enough or not enough? Do you have anything else? Um, you said, you said a lot, uh, but I, I'm not satisfied, but I don't know what to ask. There's other mudras, you know, a mudra, a mudra means, uh, a mudra itself means um, something is being identified. And there's other mudras. You can, there's a mudra of just practicing with your hands on your knees. And there's other teaching mudras and so on. Um, and a mudra itself is just a gesture. It's just an expression. It's just... It can be seen that way. It's just 
like uh, putting your elbow out, you know, or saying hello, saying hi, saying look at uh, waving to someone or shaking their hand. That's a mudra too. So a mudra itself does not necessarily have to be seen as special or holy or uh, does not necessarily have to be employed as a, as a conceptual imputation, but it, uh, it, it can be an expression of, of what you're feeling or what you, what you feel connected with or maybe even disconnected with. And this mudra is, is a deliberate mudra that we use in meditation to express our connection, yes. To express our centeredness. That's all. That's all. Can I ask a question? Let's go ahead, Jackie. So I, I'm kind of at the other end of the spectrum in my practice where I've really kind of, I don't, I don't, I haven't been sitting, but I still think I'm part of the Sangha, even though I'm not really doing Buddhist things. And so I feel like I'm cheating. And yet, I don't know if I am. And I feel like I'll come back to practice. And that's why I'm here. It's like, it'd be good to come back to practice um, and study. But um, mostly what I do is, um, you know, I'm looking at the seedlings right now that have grown for the garden. And, and that's my connection really to Sangha at the moment for your garden, you know, for our garden at Jokoji. Um, so, so when is it that you're not in Sangha? I mean, how do you know if you're sort of just fantasizing that you're a part and, and um, you know, pretending? And how do you know if it's real? Well, maybe you should ask the seedlings. <laughs> <laughs> They're your saga right now, right? <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah, I could show them to you if you want. <laughs> some 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 uh, teachers have said that uh, if uh, if a practice form is visible, oh, there they are. <laughs> yeah, that's some of them. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people say that if a practice form is visible as something special or unique, um, that it could be, it could, it should be approached with a kind of apology, or or it's a kind of confession. Um, that the the very fact that our practice has a form, or that it's that it that it's noticeable as something different that we do other than our daily life is um, kind of acknowledging that uh, well that we still got work to do or that we're we're um, we're works in progress and uh, so every time we sit down and take a deliberate posture or say that we're practicing we can also kind of apologize that we're not finished or maybe celebrate that we're not finished, <laughs> that there's still work to do and that we're willing to do the work. So uh, specific practice takes many, many expressions and, uh, and it may be planting some seedlings it may be preparing dinner. It may be making a gesture, taking a mudra. It may be uh, doing some weeding. So many, many, many gestures, many, many mudras uh, we have to be 
practice and to practice together as Sangha. Thank you. Um, hi. I wanted to say that um, this loss, you know, this grief of not being together, this sense of separation um, has really illuminated for me no separation in this pandemic. That they seem like they, it's almost there's this kind of beautiful component to the grief of not being together. And the beautiful component is the together, that it's still there. It's kind of taken the form of not being together, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 So it's not tragic. It has its own beauty. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was good. Let's, I think we're finished. Can we close with that good statement? So. May our intentions equally extend to every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you.